Have you ever found yourself dealing with uh, that dreaded capital A emotion that is anger? And, and what is your lens on anger? How do you view anger? And do you see it as a bad thing? Do you see it as evil? I think one of the, the biggest components that are that's so important and critical to our healing journey and recovery is, is learning how to listen to anger, not let it control us, not using it as a weapon, but understanding what's underneath that so that we can ultimately heal and grow in our recovery. Today, I'm talking with a sister in Christ about anger. Welcome to Hope in Recovery, a Fellowship Celebrate Recovery podcast that shares hope and healing for our mental, spiritual, emotional, and relational journey through life change stories, recovery topics, uh, and just good conversation around principles based on Matthew chapter 5 and Celebrate Recovery, where Jesus came and he died for you and I to help bring hope so that we can face our hurts with courage to replace those nasty core beliefs that get us hung up so we can see ourselves the way he sees us and live not in those nasty habits or compulsive behaviors, but in new healthy practices that the way he designed as holy and healthy Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, so we can learn how to interact with the world in healthy ways. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with drugs and alcohol and perfectionism. My name is Rodney. I'm the pastor and ministry leader of Celebrate Recovery here at Fellowship Bible Church Rogers Celebrate Recovery. And uh, so good to be back with you today. I just want to say, hey, thanks. haven't told you this in a while, but if you've not done uh, given us a review on this platform, uh, please do that. Those go a long way in giving us a high star rating if you like what you're hearing. If you don't, give me a call and we can talk about it. Uh, but uh, uh, give us a rating and, and, and a re- uh, review if you can take a couple minutes to do that. That would mean a lot to us to help us reach more people. But thanks for how you're sharing this. Uh, we were just talking about how exciting it is to see how many new people are stumbling upon this podcast. So thanks for your part in doing that. Uh, with your network of people. But I'm excited about today's topic, um, it, this topic of anger. And as I said in the opener, uh, it can be a little bit uh, misinterpreted, this, this topic of anger. And sometimes we can be afraid of it or even shame it. And it's so important, just right out of the gate, just want to say anger is not a bad thing. Anger is, is God-given emotion. It's actually a very... Um, um, accurate emotion that's a response to an injustice. Uh, so anger in itself, even Jesus was angry, right? When he's flipping tables, uh, he doesn't like what, what's happening. But is what do we do with the anger? Because if we're not careful, anger can control us. So just want to have a conversation around anger. And I invited a sister in Christ. Sarah is uh, one of our uh, participants and also a great CR leader here in our Rogers Celebrate Recovery. And she's agreed to come on and have a conversation. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Why don't you introduce yourself the way you do in CR and we'll jump into a conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with anxiety, panic attacks, depression, and anger. My name's Sarah. Hey, Sarah. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And, and uh, so when we talk about anger, um, you know, it's so important to have this conversation. We'll probably have more around this. But when you came in to celebrate recovery... 
from my understanding, you didn't come in for anger. Right. I, right. I didn't, I didn't think I was an angry person. Um, I came, I came in primarily, uh, my counselor has suggested it, um, for mental health, uh, panic attacks and depression. Um, so yeah, I went to the A to Z group for a while and then, uh, had a, had a, an incident where I kind of had an anger explosion out in public and, uh, mm. and thought maybe I've got an anger issue. So <laughs> like, hmm. yeah, I started going to the anger group. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that. Uh, I hate that it came to that, but it, it's good that you listened to that signal that said, oh, this feels and not just like a, a signal, but it's kind of um, owning me a little bit. And, and so as you kind of, you know, we have these issue pamphlets and, and we read through those and I can remember doing the same thing, by the way, I don't have anger issues. And then I read it and went, Oh, I think I struggle with anger. But what were some of those things as you were reading through that, that anger issue pamphlet, if you can recall that really jumped out that go, Oh, maybe that's a part of my story. Can you recall some of those things that were jumping out? Yeah. Yeah. Now I've been in the anger group about six years now. So now the checklist is, is ingrained <laughs> in my mind. Yeah, things will happen and I'll think of a checklist item. But some of them were like uh, becoming aggressive while playing a game for fun. Mm. And I remember thinking people play games for fun. Like, <laughs> you play games to win, You're right? You're supposed to win, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and just uh, another one was... Uh, when you're confronted with a misinformed opinion, my voice becomes louder and more assertive. Mm. Um, yeah. Louder can make me more right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, so someone comes at you with a, an opinion that differs from yours. And it, so, so the anger kind of comes on, you get louder, uh, you, you get more, um, animated, um, as you've been it's six years. So, as you've leaned into that anger, what's some things you've learned around it? I like that language of trying to understand the good reasons why that's there. Why did that show up? Why is that showing itself in animation and getting louder? What have you learned about yourself as you leaned into the anger to understand why that's present? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I never thought I was an angry person. I think, uh, having, Having gone through CR and counseling, I realized it was uh, probably about 25 years of just stuffing until it mm. finally started exploding. Um, you always talk about like big T, little T trauma. I had some big T trauma when I was little and mm. um, I just stuffed it, stuffed it until it just started coming out. Um, hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's so good. I, I'm glad you brought up the word trauma because... Trauma is, can be a little confusing, but I think at the heart of it, you know, trauma, what makes trauma really deep is something happened and that's a part of it, but even more so someone that may have should have been there for me or could have been there for me as one of those people in my life, I didn't show up for me. That's kind of what makes it that much more. And so it, understanding the trauma of, of something someone has done in injustice. And again, anger is a rise against an injustice and someone was supposed to be there for me in that injustice and they weren't, it would make sense that we feel angry because maybe we were given, um, and I don't know if this is part of your story, but it just got me thinking about it. You know, sometimes we can write these narratives that, uh, you know, we take it to someone, oh, I don't know if it happened that way. 
or maybe it didn't happen at all. So maybe, maybe there's a little bit of gaslighting and, you know, uh, feeling like, well, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe this isn't as bad as I'm making it out to be. So we kind of walk away with shame. Is that any part of your story? Does that, that resonate in your, your life? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of it was also, um, like a lack of voice. Mm. So for, from yourself. For, yeah. Okay. So I felt like, um, what I've learned over the last few years and digging into the anger is, um, for example, somebody cuts me off in traffic mm. and the immediate thought I would have is, uh, the anger would happen. And then I would think that I don't matter. Mm. It was the, I don't matter, or I don't have a voice or I shouldn't be here. Um, a lot of, a lot of those thoughts, I think that kind of developed from, you know, not having a voice. And then we talked about getting louder. Well, I just need to get louder. I need to be more aggressive. So people will hear me because I didn't feel heard when I was little. Mm. So, so using that example, I love that you brought that up. So you, you get cut off in traffic. Is it, is it, um, the response that you're feeling, you know, I got angry and, and loud. Is it the effect of the response that's kind of taking you to those core beliefs or were those kind of sitting underneath there? Does that make sense uh, prior to the explosion or the outburst or uh, what, what came first there? Is it, right. I, I had the outburst and now I'm feeling this, the chicken or the egg? Right. <laughs> kind of yeah. The outbursts would happen for years before I realized what was, mm. you know, what was really behind it. Um, yeah, I remember I was even driving to a step study one time and somebody cut me off and I shouted so loud for so long. By the time I got to step study, my voice was, was hurting. And I, I was actually co-leading the step study with another <laughs> a- anger sister. And so, uh, you know, I told her, Hey, this happened on the way here. And, um, and it's after that's happened that I can kind of think, think through, mm. but slowly through the process, it's, it's a shortened amount of time. And, you know, I, I'll have the thought now first before I have the reaction, mm. which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause it, when you were saying that it kind of took me to the difference between responding and reacting. It feels like when you were kind of in an unhealthy space of using anger as a tool, uh, you were in reaction mode rather than responding. So that taking a second is allowing you to respond. I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the things in the problem solution statement. It says, give Jesus a nanosecond. And you wouldn't believe how, believe how hard that is. Um, <laughs> because, there, yeah, there are a lot of times where you just you don't even get the nanosecond. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it it's interesting because, and we don't even realize this, but when we are wronged or cut off, I mean, sometimes we can, well, maybe it's not that big of a wrong, but it feels like a big offense, right? It's pain and fear in in that offense. And in that, we don't realize it, but we have this longing in our heart for healing and justice. And I want justice now. A nanosecond can feel like, but if I give it a pause, I'm going to lose the opportunity to gain justice. (laughs) There's a little bit of control in that, isn't there? Or is that a good word to use in that? Yeah, I I think that's all wrapped together with the anger and the, you know, not, not feeling like I'm heard. A lack of, a lot of lack of control. Mm. Yeah. The anger was, anger was the first emotion that would always come up for me before I, before I realized there were other emotions other than anger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that was, that was some control trying to, trying to regain control in a situation that I, that I don't have control. Mm. Yeah. It, 
I love that. It, yeah. So things are out of control. I'm not being heard. I don't have a voice. And it's an interesting thought. I mean, just thinking about your story, Sarah, when, you know, a good thought just in our own healing process is when, when is the first time, when did I first come to believe that I don't have a voice? Somewhere along the way, I learned that. Right. right? And, and now it's playing itself out. As you look at your story, Sarah, what, what is that part of your story where you, as you, you've gone through the inventory process and in principle four, for those that haven't been through Celebrate Recovery, it's just an inventory process of examining the, the pain points, that part of our story. But what, what parts of your story did you come to learn as much as you feel comfortable sharing, but that you learned that this was the first uh, time that you realized and came to believe that you don't have a voice or you don't matter? Yeah, I think it was about five or six. Um, just like I said, some, some trauma and, and people not being there for me and, mm. um, just feeling like everyone else's needs were, were put ahead of mine or their, mm. their wants. I'm um, not important enough. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a hard place. Yeah. So you kind of had to to get into, and sometimes we look at anger just to manage the behavior. And what you're talking about is heart change. You're going, it's almost like you're going back into that room with that little five-year-old. And how do I respond to her differently and hold her in that space to kind of honor what she's going through to be left alone? Um, what, what was that like for you in that experience to kind of go... Uh, kind of honor why she would feel angry because that's the little girl coming out of you. You know, when you were doing those outbursts, that little girl that's hungry throws her hands up and screams, "You will give me food, or you will change my diaper, whatever." You had an opportunity through that inventory process to kind of go back and honor her and what she's feeling, and and maybe show up for her in a way no one had ever shown up for her. What was that like to show up for that part of yourself, Sarah, in that space to to give her a voice and almost be this other voice to say, hey, you didn't deserve that. I'm sorry. I care for you. You do matter. You do have a voice. What was that like for Sarah to kind of hold that other part of you that had been left alone? Um, I think it was it was a slow process. It mm. definitely didn't happen with the first inventory. I think I've been through f- six now. Mm. Um, and like I said, it's definitely better. I think I have, uh, I have more tools where I can, um, like self-affirmation where I'll tell myself I do matter. You know, yeah. I, that, that's the big thing for me and CR was realizing I mattered to God. Mm. Um, because a lot of, a lot of my early, um, like inventory and working through, I think I had God on there thinking like, you know, where were you? Do I matter to you? If I mattered to you, why, mm. you know, why would this happen? Um, And so a lot of it um, in the initial stages was just realizing that I had a reason to be angry. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't okay the way I was expressing it, but I think, you know, realizing that, that it's okay that, that I can feel angry. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. And, and I love that. Um, I love one that you, you gave permission that it could take some time sometimes that sometimes we can, we can kind of have a drive-through recovery approach, just 
tell me what I got to do and I'll fix it. <laughs> so I love that you gave permission that this could be, this could take time. You make a decision to lean into it and then trust the process with that. So, so as you kind of leaning into the anger, it makes sense why that little girl would be angry because someone should have been there for her. Someone should have fought for her. Why wouldn't she be angry? So it's, it's kind of honoring that, that, what that little girl is feeling and anger makes sense. But it's also as we're honoring it, not getting stuck there. And what have you learned about what's underneath? You're doing a great job kind of painting a picture of the core beliefs that come with the thoughts. But what if you're putting into words, if I'm looking at a bowl of gumbo and anger's in it, what, what's the emotions that little girl is really feeling that she just doesn't feel safe to say? What some of the things you learned about what underneath the anger? Yeah, it was um, sadness. Um, I think. Just a lot. Yeah, just a, a lot. I, I, I didn't allow myself to be sad because that was always seen as weakness, whereas anger was like more of powerful. I felt like I was doing something about it. It mm. seemed like sadness was was not really allowed. Yeah. yeah I'm so glad you said that. And it, it, this is such a great conversation. I, I know our listeners are getting a lot out of this. I am. So, yeah, just that that somewhere along the way, that was the bigger narrative. You didn't have, you didn't have permission to show big emotions. You certainly didn't have uh, permission to talk about the sadness. Um, and some of that's overt uh, communication. Don't, you know, quit your crying kind of thing. And some of it's covert. Um, I want to, I want to take a quick break if we could and, and come, when we come back, I want to talk about some of those covert communications that told you it's not okay to be sad. Um, and why that would make sense, why anger would show up and fight for that part of you that needs to show sadness. So talking with Sarah about uh, anger, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Stick with us. Hey, friends, if you're looking for a meeting near you, uh, we've got a great place at Fellowship Fayetteville, Fellowship Rogers. Every single Friday night, we have a, a gathering of worship, great teachings, testimonies, community, and then we break up into small groups and talk about what's going on in our life. Uh, please don't try to face your hurts, hangups, and habits and broken relationships on your own. Join us every Friday night, celebrate recovery in Fayetteville or Rogers Fellowship. Go to fellowshipcr.org for more information. Welcome back. Talking with Sarah. Right before break, Sarah, we were talking about um, just the covert and overt communication. When you said, I wasn't allowed to be sad. Um, and this is good to kind of lean in. Those, those messages that you heard that weren't directly stated out loud, what were some of the things that communicated to you that it was um, not okay to be sad? For example, if I cried, and this is part of my story with my mom, if I cried and was sad, I would see a reaction in my mother that would kind of spin her out. And so covertly, I, I learned, oof, sadness is bad. If I got angry, I got reprimanded and in trouble, and I didn't want to get in trouble, so just stuff my anger. What does that look like covertly or overtly in Sarah's life uh, as you're growing up and learning these these new systems? 
Yeah, I think anger was always a big, um, it was always a big thing in our house. Um, I'm trying to think about any other emotions I remember seeing. Um, I, d- I don't remember seeing anyone in my house be sad, talk about feelings. Um, mm. Anger was always, it was okay to be angry. It was almost like you were expected to be angry at things. Yeah. Um, I think I, you know. Kind of celebrated then. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so maybe anger was accepted, but if you did cry, right, and trying to get real clear on where you learned it's not okay to be sad, right? What what were you seeing around you on sadness? What would you hear or see that would give you that indication? Yeah, uh, just as a family, it felt like we were always supposed to be okay. Just you, be happy. Right, just be happy. Um if I was sad, I, I'm trying to even remember, you know, yeah. being allowed to be sad, what would happen. Um, even remembering seeing mom or dad cry. Yeah. I just, I have no memories of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, we were even with each other, we were supposed to be okay. Like it wasn't okay to even tell each other we weren't okay. Wow. So doesn't that make sense? And and you're being so vulnerable with us. It, it makes sense why Sarah would grow into a woman and buy into the narrative of a reality in, in, in a by all rights and to yourself that sadness is not acceptable. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes even with depression, you know, we think, well, the opposite of depression is, is happy. No, the opposite of depression is just to feel. And so, you know, it's really expression. And so to not be able to have permission to be sad is to say, don't be human, Sarah. So guess who shows up? The big brother and says, oh yeah, well, I'll show you emotion. And anger shows up and it's kind of used as a weapon. Right. (laughs) It became a survival instinct, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah, and just a lot of the, when I think back about, uh, you know, learning to drive or driving with my dad, I feel like I can, I see myself doing the things that I saw him doing. And that was one of the things that I, that led me to the anger group was just realizing like, I don't want to be like that. Mm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to, to shout at everybody that cuts me off, you know? Um, yeah, there is a different way that I can do this. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's so, so important too. That is part of our story. And again, we're not justifying and making excuses, but we're trying to understand why we are and why we do what we do you were mimicking what was modeled, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and even to this day, I remember I had been through the, this was probably a year ago. So I had been through the anger group for, you know, five years. (laughs) Um, Felt like I was in a really good place. I was driving, I was in the car with my dad and, um, you know, we're in a parking lot, somebody cuts us off and he starts shouting, honk at them, you know, and and I'm thinking like, I have all my tools and then. (laughs) And just thrown out the window. Right, right. And I'm thinking, oh. You know, it's, it's just things you learn from, from those around you and, and they're not in recovery and they don't know better. And yeah, yeah. we slip right back into those old ways. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. Just imagining just seeing you and your dad on the dance floor, right. And standing on the balcony, looking down going, Oh, 
I, I see why you're dancing this way. Right, right. <laughs> it's like, it's part of you is like, wait, what? I've got tools. What, what, what's happening? Why am I responding this way? Oh, should I yell? Should I honk? Right. <laughs> That's a little confusing when we kind of go, we bump against our old family system. And, and I love that, you know, this really takes practice, doesn't it? It's a, it's a process of practicing um, honoring anger when it comes forward. If someone walks up and punches me in the face, of course I'm going to feel <laughs> hurt and you know pain. I can't I can't discount that, but what am I going to do with that um, to to respond and not react? And and you're you're working a new muscle. Uh, so you you mentioned the nanosecond. What's some other things that Sarah has done to um, kind of proactively and even reactively in the moment to, to handle and struggle well with, with anger. Yeah. So one of the things I've worked through with my counselor is, um, like an appropriate level of response, like one to 10. Mm. So before I would go, I would go from zero to 10 in a nanosecond. Um, and now it's learning, you know, if the, if the response only deserves like a two, but I go to a 10, you know, thinking through what's behind this, maybe what has happened the last couple of days that I haven't dealt with. Um, but yeah, like we were, you, you mentioned earlier, Jesus tipping the tables. And I think I've used that to justify some of my <laughs> anger before I, I, uh, Jesus did it. <laughs> right. Right. Like Jesus tipped the tables and, and I have to remember like he was, he was doing it in response to, you know, the temple was being, Right. You know, um, yeah. and so the, you know, the sanctity of the temple. And, yeah. And I told someone, well, what about the sta- sanctity of the passing lane? Like <laughs> these people are defiling the passing lane. Yeah. And so it's, it's keeping it in perspective. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. So, so in the process of you, and you, and you've been through this process and going through the inventory, how much has this, um, the space for you as you, as you look at your family system and kind of honoring your family. Uh, it, Cause sometimes it can feel like we're being dishonoring if we're being honest about our family system. How have you been able to embrace this? The, the principle of being honest is being honoring. It's not dishonoring. How, how does that land for your heart as you walk through this? Yeah. Um, well now I've, you know, I've learned it's okay to be sad. So mm. I feel like when I see those things crop up in my family, um, anger or dysfunction, the more healthy I get, the, the sadder it makes me for them. Mm. Um, you know, just, just wishing they, they could experience recovery. And mm. I love that. Yeah. yeah and, it, and it makes me remember in the Beatitudes in principle three, we're getting into, um, Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. And there's just a mourning after our sin. And sometimes it's mourning and holding our story of our family system and mourning after this is all my family has known. Doesn't mean that it makes it right, but it makes sense. And so mourning after that, and it's moved you to a place of empathy and compassion for them. Um, choosing a different route, but mourning after them, it's grown your empathy for them. That's what I'm hearing. Is that you saying that right? Yeah. 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 And the cool thing is Jesus brings comfort in that when we mourn after that. Yeah. So Sarah, somebody's listening right now and 
maybe they just got done. Maybe they're listening in their car and literally minutes ago, (laughs) they just tried to protect the sanctity of the lane, right? (laughs) And they had the anger outburst and they're not feeling real good about themselves, right? Yeah. After the fact, it's like, oh, I did it again. What would you say to bring, bring encouragement to someone? Maybe they're in the recovery process and they're starting to learn about this anger struggle. And again, it's using it as a tool. It's honoring emotion of anger, but not using it as a tool. James 1.19.20 says we can't use anger as a tool for righteousness. We can't accomplish righteousness with our anger. But understanding what anger is and, and not using it as a tool, what would, you, what would be some encouragement that you would give to somebody that is kind of in the middle of that, or they're in the early stages and it feels hopeless that they can't get this anger. The anger is still control. They're still a slave to the uncontrollable use of it, uh, anger as a tool. What would you say to bring them encouragement if they're sitting across the table from you? Yeah, I would just say like we talked about before, it's a slow process. I think I realized it's not something that I learned overnight. It's something that is almost hardwired into me from, from growing up. And so it's just giving myself grace or giving yourself grace to realize you're going to slip. You're going to shout at people, yeah. you know, you're going to ex- explode at people at work. I, you know, s- snarky emails, just stuffing it. It's a whole lot of, it's not just explosion. It's a lot of other things, but just, um, yeah, I would just say, give yourself grace and realize that you're, you're almost having to rewire the way you function. And, um, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Give yourself grace. And, and, and in relationships, we're going to miss each other. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to blow it, but can I repair it and just own it and say, yeah, that came out wrong. Uh, give myself grace, ask for forgiveness. But I, I love to just the, the inventory process is helping us to get to the damage and effect of the things that have happened uh, so that we can ultimately change our choices in this space. So uh, jump into that celibate recovery process uh, so we can uh, experience that healing. But, well, Sarah, thanks for for making some time. Uh, a great conversation. I, I know our listeners were blessed by it, and I appreciate your heart and being willing to come on today. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. And if anybody thinks they have anger and wants to check out our group. I remember the first night I came, they told me we're the friendliest bunch of angry people you'll ever meet. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's like, I'm going to go in there and everybody's going to be throwing things, yelling. Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, that's not what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> it's the friendliest anger group I've ever been a part of. I love that. Well, thanks, sis. Appreciate you. Yeah, great, great to have a conversation with you. Yep, thanks. Yeah. Well, I hope uh, this has been a blessing for you. Uh, I know these conversations uh, from your feedback are helpful, and uh, we'd all, always love to hear more ideas. And actually, Sarah is the one that uh, dropped this uh, idea out, and so I'm grateful that she agreed to come on and talk about this. But uh, if you're struggling with anger, one, honor it. What is it trying to say? Uh, don't don't use it as a weapon, but honor it and invite Jesus into that, what is underneath that. And if you want to get deeper into the roots and understanding why that's there as a defense or a protection, leaning into the parts of your story that, that might point you in that way of is using that as a tool can be so life-giving. And I encourage you to join us on this road we call recovery and working through the inventory process. Don't face it alone, though. Hey, we'd love to have you every Friday night. Join us, Fellowship Fayetteville or Fellowship Rogers. We'd love to have you every Friday night. Hey, thanks for being with me today. I hope you'll join me next time. Until then, God bless.